Welcome to The Big Cheese Show, your destination for fantasy sports domination. Now, here's your host, Chris The Big Chee Cheon. Welcome, everybody, to The Big Cheese Show here on WTOP, a fantasy sports and wagering against the spread, betting over-unders. We're talking all things action-wise when it comes to football and baseball as well as we are getting close to the end of the fantasy baseball season here. But I absolutely had to bring on one of the best in the fantasy football industry. You can hear him every Saturday morning on Fantastics Insider Football, one of the most accurate guys in terms of their pre-draft rankings in the industry. I'm talking about Dan Claskins. Dan, what's up, bro? In Hoke, in Hoke, what's up, my man? It's in always good Hoke. to catch up with you, G. Absolutely. In Hoke, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> Dan and I are Sigma Chi brothers, and we had a great time in Nashville during the Super Bowl back in February. We caught up, and I learned a lot from Dan about the sport of football. He's been covering this for way longer than I have, and Dan, one thing that I learned about you is that you have been dominating your picks against the spread. Now, when you're taking picks early in the season, do you try to follow any trends? Because one thing that I have fallen into that has hurt me early on was I thought leading off the season, I said this on your show, taking unders would be the smart move because I just thought these offenses may not be as acquainted with the personnel, and it burned me in the Cowboys-Giants game, and it burned me on Monday night in the Texans-Saints game. Do you have any sort of like trends like that early on that you follow? You know, I think early in the season, you just have to really stick to the process, right? I think overreaction is a word you hear a lot right now, whether you're talking fantasy or betting. You see it in some of the spreads already here in week number two, but – for me, I'm more in line, especially in pro football, of looking more at the historical trends, you know, how teams perform on long weeks on on the road. Uh, so week one, you know, a lot of times they're playing divisional rivals. So some trends and stuff early in the season in that regard, it, it definitely plays in, into the forefront for me. I, I don't let it be my decision maker, but I am aware of them. I do look at them and I probably put a little more emphasis on some of that stuff than I should. But at the end of the day, she stick to the same process each time and I think in the long run that's the only way to ensure success when you're talking about sports betting yeah absolutely not getting discouraged when you do have rough weekends which certainly are going to happen all right so Dan let's talk about some waiver wire additions you know all week we heard about John Ross Mecole Hardman I don't think I heard kind of enough about Mecole Hardman considering Tyreek Hill is going to be out four to five six weeks are any of these guys this week start worthy Chris Thompson against Dallas with Darius Geis out any of these waiver wire pickups this week that you're saying I'm I'm not only stashing I'm getting in my lineup this week yeah I definitely think I will say in general that through my 12 season long leagues that I manage out, which I cut it back a little bit this year, T dropped down to a dozen there, but <laughs> I didn't go real bullish on any of my waiver wires. Now, part of that's because I will admittedly say that uh, I tend to like my teams. I draft uh, more than the average fella. Uh, but I will say that I don't really think there's anybody on the waiver wire that I felt like was a must grab this week. I agree with you. McCole Hardman probably was underlooked a little bit, given the nature of the Tyree kill injury. He's a real wild card. So if you were able to grab him and pick him up, I think of all the receivers that were out there uh, available 
the guy that I liked the most was John Brown. I mean, he was only rostered in 35.3% of the ESPN leagues coming into the beginning here of week two. And you saw that big day, 10 targets, seven catches, 123 yards. Now, the thing I like a lot about John Brown is you look at that receiving core there in Buffalo, and I don't think there's a lot of competitions for targets. I, I think that Josh Allen definitely has the upside there to deliver some big plays. And if John Brown, for him, it's been his body holding up that's been a problem. So of, of the receiver names out there, he was of interest. I really like DJ Shark. He was one of them late-round stabs in some deeper leagues, like what he did in week one, but I'm a little concerned there with Foles out put on injured reserve, likely to return potentially. But uh, so I'm a little down on Shark. We saw John Ross have a big day uh, being here in Cincinnati. I've followed and been up close to John Ross many times in training camp and other places. I've always thought he was uh, a player that was overdrafted and a bust player. But that said, for the first time in his career, uh, and really you can say this about the entire Bengals offense, they actually have an innovative coach in Zach Taylor Although he's unproven, does come from a nice pedigree, worked with Sean McVay, obviously here. Cincinnati took some heat for hiring him, but I tell you right now, in week one, I've already seen more ingenuity, uh, you know, more ingenu- basically more creativity from what he's trying to do in his play calling. He's going to figure out ways to get the ball out of Andy Dalton's hand a little quicker. He's going to figure out ways to use John Ross more in space, so if he can stay healthy, I think he's a guy out there. I'm not really buying into the Marquise Brown uh, production. I mean, while he is an electrifying playmaker, the guy was only targeted five times. I think he only ran eight routes in the game. So uh, they're not going to be able to play Miami last week. But no, really, I think you hit him on the head. Chris Thompson, probably the running back out there of interest. Malcolm Brown had a lot of carries. I still think long term, Daryl Henderson will uh, get into the mix there. So Malcolm Brown, I'm not sure if I'm. I'm not opposed to picking him up. I'm not going to put him in my lineup here in week two. I can't imagine too many scenarios where any of these guys would be, G. Yeah, when you talk about Daryl Henderson, I agree with you. I don't see 3% snap share being the norm. I think Malcolm Brown, 27%. You're not really going to be exceeding that much outside of any sort of injury to Todd Gurley. So I like that. I'd be more higher expectations. People will forget, not here in Washington, but – when Chris Thompson was healthy, when Kirk Cousins before he ended up going to Minnesota and before Chris Thompson got hurt, this offense was dynamic. Dare I say explosive with well, yeah. Chris, Kirk with Cousins Chris was Thompson. was a fantasy commodity. Yeah. So I just think that if they are going to hum against the Dallas Cowboys, who defensively looked pretty good this past week, I think we could say – Chris Thompson is going to need to be a huge part of that game plan. So let me ask you about another running back here, Dan, LaShawn McCoy. Um, does he enter into startable territory? I mean, his snap share is still below 30%, 29 to be exact. Ten carries, that being said. Um, not heavily involved in the passing game when he saw one target. So what would you say, LaShawn McCoy, if you're in a 12-team, or especially 14-team league? In a 14-team league, he certainly gets into the mix because I view him as a low-end flex option right now. Now, this week, Kansas City is obviously you know sitting in a position against an Oakland team that you know, I don't feel like is necessarily as good of a defense as they might have faced a week ago. And we saw how much success they had on the road against Jacksonville. So this offense is explosive. That's the thing. I, I do think I still would start Damian Williams over McCoy 
for right now, but it's pretty clear to me that McCoy's role is definitely going to be a weekly role. And it's one I could see growing quite a bit. Uh, you know, I don't, for me, I had a lot of McCoy shares coming in season long and it wasn't because I necessarily loved the guy, but even before he was dealt when he was falling into rounds 10, 11, you know, and he was there as my RB five, I, I couldn't resist. So now I find myself with him in a lot of, a lot of teams and what I consider a better situation. I will say this, Chris, I think I would definitely think that his value is higher now than it was a couple of weeks ago when he was still a member of the bills. And I don't think Kansas city is going to slow down offensively, even with the injury of Tyree kill. So it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be some disappointment ahead, but I definitely think there's a floor that's high enough to consider him in flex play, especially if you're in a PPR league where, you know, McCoy is going to get some dump offs too. So certainly a fantasy asset at this point, but uh, not necessarily a starter in every single lineup will be though. When we start rolling into these bye weeks here, probably in a couple weeks. I want to ask you about one of the Thursday night teams that really was a chalk team offensively in DFS. Jameis Winston, Chris Godwin. I'm talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. These guys were very much talked about on myself, our show included, uh, Bros and Football on Sunday mornings. I, I'm kicking myself for that one because I just had this feeling about Jameis Winston coming into this season that we as a community – overvalued him in terms of his skill set and be able to deliver to OJ Howard, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Um, are you turned off by what you saw week one, or do you still believe in the Bruce Arians being able to run a lot of plays and them being able to generate fantasy points and talk about their matchup against Carolina? What do you think? Yeah. So I think there's a lot to that question. First of all, definitely in terms of talking about Tampa Bay and our expectations, I, clearly, you know, last week, I think I, I had Winston as a top three play. I was expecting a lot more and it, it was ugly. It was real ugly. That, there were a couple touchdown passes there to Cameron break called back. And you know, one thing that was really surprised me about the game is I was expecting their defense to be much worse, but Tampa Bay's defense played pretty decently in that game. And, uh, I'm not ready to write the ship off on these guys. This is the first year, first real game under this new system. And, hey, this is Jameis Winston's MO, right? I don't know if the fantasy community was overrating him, though. You look at the final ADP at Fantasy Football Calculator. I mean, you're talking about QB 17. So I still think, as I did a couple of weeks ago, and I'll continue to think unless something changes to his starting status or injury, that he's a high-end QB, too. He's going to have a pretty low floor. You saw what it looks like Sunday. He's got a pretty high ceiling, too. This week, going into Carolina on a Thursday night game, I'm never a big fan of these Thursday night games, particularly early in the season. So I've already looked at this total of 44.5 as a game as I expect to go under. So he's a fringe uh, just sitting on the outside of my top 15 in my Week 2 QB rankings. I think if you have him on your roster, chances are you're either in a really deep league, you're already carrying two quarterbacks, you might want to consider a different starting option this week. But I still think better days are ahead. Let's not forget that half the team was dealing with the flu, including star receiver Mike Evans, who I believe was extremely limited having watching that game. I watched literally every snap of that game and even some on replay. So I think there's big steps ahead. And I think looking at the Bucks and Winston's struggles here and, and just writing it off as like you were wrong about that would be certainly an overreaction here because I still think when the dust settles, this guy's going to crack the top 15 at the position, I guess. He'll probably be at least six or seven weeks, assuming he stays healthy and starts all of his games, where you're talking about a top 10 quarterback in this offense. So I'm still all in 
on Bruce Arians as being an upgrade here to this system. And I, I think that in time, uh, you'll start seeing these receivers live up to the hype that they have as well. Speaking to Dan Claskins, host of Fantastics Insider Football on Sirius XM Fantasy. You can check that every Saturday morning. He's also publisher at TS Football. This guy absolutely knows his stuff. So, Dan, I got to ask you, this is a, you know, kind of dilemma for me here because on one side, I'm looking at this game in Baltimore this weekend, Terrell Suggs homecoming, if you will. Arizona plus 13 and a half. Watching that game towards the end against the Detroit Lions. Kyler Murray, he missed some throws in that week one, but he also showed how dynamic he can be. And I think that's an up-tempo offense that the Ravens defense they shined like a new penny against a pathetic Miami Dolphins team, right? Like, I kind of think Arizona getting 13 and a half. I'm leaning that way, but I also say to myself, man, Baltimore defense can get after a rookie quarterback here. Lamar Jackson has just really tremendously improved fundamentally. I mean, his game has really come well-rounded. Again, it was against the Dolphins. I'm not trying to go crazy over that, but what do you think about Arizona plus 13 and a half? It's a big line. Uh, I don't. I, I certainly wouldn't lay the points. I, I'm inclined, like you, to take the points. And honestly, more often than not, especially early in the year, if I see a double-digit spread, I'm usually on the side of taking the points because I think the NFL is a much closer thing than that. Now, Miami, clearly a team that you can't really compare any other NFL team to at this point, given that, that they're sort of tanking it what's up here. I do think that Baltimore's defense is good. I don't think Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, or any of these other guys are going to do anything close to what they did last week. I expect a lot lower scoring. I'm anxious to see a little bit more running of the football there. But in terms of the Cardinals, I'm very bullish on this offense and what it means. I mean, even if you don't like Kyler Murray, he's a rookie. He's going to have struggles. He's going into a tough road matchup here. So I'm certainly going to not put him in a lot of lineups this week. But his presence alone and what it does to elevate some of our fantasy stars of the past, like David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, even if you're not in on Kyler Murray, you can't deny that. And I think David Johnson is going to present a ton of problems for this Baltimore defense. He lined up 15 times as a receiver there last year. So I do think in terms of them staying close and moving the chains, we saw Larry Fitzgerald two 40 yard catches in one game. He hasn't done that in five years. So the air yards that we're seeing from Kyler Murray, the ability for him to move around and buy time, those are going to present some challenges. I don't think they're going to go in and put up 25 and win at Baltimore. They could, but I certainly think they'll cover the spread. And I think over the course of the season that these Cardinals are going to offer some fantasy uh, fireworks for people to get excited about. The Eagles. Do you like the Eagles to cover the spread? They are the Sunday night game. They're point-and-a-half favorites in Atlanta. So talk about this game. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, Atlanta's always been a much better team at home. Uh, their defense is suspect. In terms of that game uh, and the points, uh, I don't love it either way. I'm, I am a fan of Philadelphia, but it, I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Atlanta's offense is going to get clicking in this one. We'll certainly see a little bit more from Devontae Freeman. I think Matt Ryan's going to be glad to be in the friendly confines. Deshaun Jackson, I mean, looking at his age, 32, and still one of the best deep play threats in football. But you look at the 27.4 fantasy points he scored in that game, and that's the most that he's put up in a season since 2016 in a single game. So uh, with me, the concern with him is consistency and durability. So 
yeah, I'll ride the wave where I can take him. I think he's going to have some big days, but man, it's tough to rely on him as a weekly. That was Dan Claskins, host of Fantastics Insider Football Saturday mornings. You can hear him on Sirius XM Fantasy. Joining me here on the Big Cheese Show. I want to wrap up this week's edition of the Big Cheese Show. I had a conversation with Sharon Robinson. She is the daughter of Jackie Robinson, and she's also the author of Child of the Dream, a memoir of 1963. And during our conversation, I asked Sharon if she was happy with the current state of African-American participation in the sport of baseball. Commissioner uh Rob Manfred has done an amazing job mobilizing the forces to bring more and more kids into the game of baseball, urban kids, kids in general. Um, There's a huge movement to engage kids in playing the game of baseball. And then we also have a number of really competitive programs for baseball players at higher levels so that they can have more equality and opportunity to have great coaching, you know, using a lot of former baseball major leaguers to be coaches. And it's really exciting stuff. So we are seeing changes. We're seeing some of those kids get drafted, and we expect that that trend will continue. But what we have in baseball currently is we have a global game. And for me, that is very exciting. You know, we have people from all over the world that are playing the game of baseball on major league level, minor league level, and given uh, the rest of the world and their sort of aversion to diversity, I have to give it to major league baseball that we have a very diverse, we feel our teams, our clubs feel very diverse teams. There you have it. Thanks, everybody, for checking out this week's edition of the Big Cheese Show on WTOP. I need those likes and subscriptions on iTunes, please. It'll make a bro feel good. Hook me up. Big Cheese Show, iTunes, Podcast One. And on Podcast One, you can check out a whole assortment we've got going on, especially 22 hours, hosted by Megan Cloherty, Jack Moore. Check out my live blog on WTOP.com. Just search Big Cheese Show. You can find my weekly rankings. Tweet me at the Big Cheese Show whenever, wherever, like Shakira. Music in this episode. Rev by Eveningland, available in the YouTube audio library. Big Chi out.